This is the Saddler's Post, conversations on horses, leather trade, and the art of saddlery, with our host, Christian Love. My guest today on the Saddler's Post is saddlemaker, instructor, and horseman Paul Van Dyke. Paul began his journey into saddlery at the age of 16, learning the basics of strap goods and quickly moving into western saddles under the tutelage of Don Butler. Blending his cowboy career and saddle making, Paul has gone on to create what I can only describe as functional art, saddles that will surely be passed down to younger generations. Fortunately for us, Paul also runs the Sheridan School of Saddlery. Paul, thanks so much for joining us today and welcome to the Saddler's Post podcast. Well, it's a real honor, Christian, to be on this with you and really looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. So, you know, when I was starting my research and you sent me your bio and it just jumps right out at Uh me at the age of 16, you know, you knew what you wanted. You started, um, that young. Did you feel when you walked into that shop kind of for the first time that, uh, it was hard for people to maybe take you seriously, like that you were, that you understood you knew what you wanted to do? Well, I had, uh, good fortune of knowing Ron uh, for several years through his kids and uh, myself and 4-H and whatnot. So Ron would be characterized as a family friend who certainly had some inspiring qualities in my life as far as um, encouraging me and whatnot. But, you know, the journey had started even well before that. Um, there's a lot of people that struggle, I think, knowing what they want to do and what they love. And I've never been one of those guys. You know, it's just always been horses. And if I wasn't in a saddle, I wanted to be building one. So it was just real strong from the get-go. That's amazing. And do you do you feel, you know, having that early start really set you up for success Um you know, I know me personally, I came to it, you know, I was horse, the horse crazy guy, but, uh, you know, yeah. I, st- I didn't figure it out that saddlery was the answer until I was like 27, 28. And, uh, sure. you know, I feel like running, playing catch up. So yeah, tell us, you know, just, you know, what inspired you to. Yeah, right. Well, it's, uh. You know, of course, it's my story, so I think it's awesome, right? (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I got to to live it, right? Yeah. So Will James uh, is a character from, uh, you know, largely Montana, Wyoming, but he is uh, Canadian by birth. And so he kind of plays into the story, interestingly enough, in the conversation that we're having here with you in Canada and me here in Wyoming. So that's kind of cool, but uh, Will James and his books from, you know, probably nine on really fired my imagination, and there was, uh, this was always buried in one of his books and collected them and whatnot, and so uh, in the book, and there's uh, the heroine of the story, there is a turn and a a steer, Uh, he wrote, drew a picture of this in his book of her turning the steer with this, these great big taps, uh, tap barrows on her stirrups. And uh, for whatever reason, I decided I had to have a set of taps. And so I'm like, I don't know, 
13 maybe 13 or 14 at this point and uh there was a guy in my life who had taken me under his wing just a really cool guy who was just the ideal of what i thought a man should be and he could build anything and he was quite a horseman he taught me how to shoe horses and uh just really spoke into my life a lot and he did a little leather work it was kind of it was crude really now by uh you know the standards of which i'm kind of involved in at this point in my life but he uh he took me to a shop on a saturday and helped me build these taps and they were just crude and kind of rough and whatnot but they were a set of taps and i put them on my saddle and for whatever reason it was just something that really clicked with me that you know i really like working with my hands it's uh, for the horse and cowboy related. And so I was all in. So I bought a little set of tools and just puttered, you know, Gary helped me some, but, um, then I got to know Ron through, um, some different connections and hung around them a little bit. And then as soon as I got my driver's license, I, I went to work for Ron. That's great. So that was, yeah. And yeah. Do you feel, you know, mentorship, you know, part of what I'm exploring with this podcast is, is, you know, trades in general, but in particular saddlery, I see a little bit today people creeping in with, you know, we call them, uh, I guess, YouTube experts, right? And and what's missing, yeah. you know, and what's missing is that, that mentorship, that, that, that someone that's kind of, uh, you know, not their first rodeo to say there's a reason yeah. we build it this way. And um, because real life situation is that stress point will break in a real life situation yep. if you continue to build saddles that way or, or whatever. So is, is mentorship something that you feel was critical in your development? It, it was huge, Christian, all the way through, and not just the saddle deal in my life and the horse training and cowboy and, and you know, all, all the other dimensions of life, you know, husband, father, you know, th- those things, having or a mentor, somebody that's been on the journey and can speak into you and help guide you. You know, none of us are truly self-made, and so for me, with the with the trade um you know starting with ron it was it was a it was a situation where you're you're learning the just the tools you know i've just built reins and latigos and you know learn how to hold an edger and that sort of thing when i got to butler uh the mystery of of saddlery was something still very much untapped at that point as far as there was this is way pre-internet certainly waiting for youtube there, the only way really to do it was to um, find somebody that would let you work with them there's a few schools but at that point i didn't know about them and so don working for him of course he was uh, by this point in his life, he's in his oh, mid to late fifties, and you know I'm 18, and so there, well, it was certainly a mentorship. There's no peer 
uh, feel at all to it. And he was a really neat guy. He enjoyed a lot and was really into the ranch life. It was just who the guy was. And so he had a tremendous amount of practicality behind it and uh, his own really unique artistic flair, which he's way more of a, he was way more of an artist than he was a uh, technician, you know, and that is certainly more in keeping with my nature. The the artist, the artistic part of me is a lot stronger by nature. And so that really worked uh, well as far as jiving and so it's flair of stamping and style and all that, something that really, um, took with me and the that era still in the 90s there's there's still a lot of regional influence so you could tell by somebody's saddle certainly a region in which it was made and of course now with the advent of um the internet and the, the YouTube deal, there's there's a lot more of the blend. But uh, certainly then there was, that was the way to go. And so him mentoring me and just, you know, that was just, he was the guy that taught me. And so I just naturally, that was just his way and stuff. And then another guy that uh, mentored me less directly, but it's, had a shaping influence certainly on the trade was a guy that had actually taught uh don and so sort of my lineage is and pedigree as a saddle maker would be uh butler and then the guy that taught him was bob douglas and the guy that taught him was don king and so so on and so forth all the way down through it's this long line of saddle but bob was uh is just a fantastic individual, a real uh, walking encyclopedia salary and be a great guy to interview. Um, and he, just the way he lived with his shop right there at his house and he had cowboy traded horses and was doing it actively in those days. Uh, that was another guy that really I patterned myself after, and again, the, the mentorship would have been a little more indirect. It was by uh, observation, really, and me asking a lot of questions. So those two guys, I would say, are the largest, share the largest influence and significance as far as mentoring. Um, and then, you know, once I left Don, the other real significant shape to my career and this would be a slight sidestep from mentoring, but uh, competitively showing and saddle making competitions and stuff across the country. So meeting guys that are from Texas or Nevada that have got just, they just approach it differently. They got a little different look, different background. And, and so that was also, um, that would have been a shaping influence, sure, but it would have been, you know, not really mentoring, but something that was part of the evolution. Yeah, it's good, you know, surrounding yourself or putting yourself up against uh, quality uh, saddle makers. You know, I think it encourages you to be like, okay, I don't know how they just did what they did, but yeah, I'm going to go absolutely. home and, and figure that out or work on that technique. Um, 
that you know that's been a, a big motivator in in my life for sure because we live in such a spread out country it's hard to to find people yeah. to work with consistently and stuff so when you get out and see um th- that's just wonderful um so as you the one thing i i really kind of admire what you've done you've taken the horsemanship side the saddle making your family and you've you've blended it i i from what i feel like i've done through sure. my research is so you know and and as in society everyone's struggling i think we all have clients that have a job to make the money to pay for horses um yep. you know and they're they're getting to the barn at eight and nine at night uh, exhausted and they're trying to give their horse their best and i just you know as i'm doing this podcast trying to promote the leather trade saddle making to people it's like you know can you explain a little bit about what your day looks like and and how you've dovetailed everything together yeah right it was certainly it's been intentional um to have a segregated life is, was never appealing to me and trying to have an integrated life always has been integrated with the things that I am passionate about and love. So of course, uh, my wife and kids and the place that we own and, uh, making a living with my hands and uh, with the saddles and the horses and the ranch and stuff. It's just, just all I care about really. Uh, so for me, it, it's divided really seasonally. So May to, uh, through October, I'm hardly in the shop, um, mostly horseback. And so that has for most of the years of my adult life and certainly all the years I've been married, has been starting Colts, which is a kind of a, unique journey in and of itself, but starting Colts and cowboying and then run this little family ranch that we have. And so that's primarily what I'm doing May through October. And then first part of November, I'm back in the shop. And so right now day would, would start, I'm, I'm a morning guy, always have been. So get up and have a little uh, devotional quiet time get the day started with my wife good cup of coffee and then i'm helping with the kids getting them off to school and and then i'm down to the shop doing chores and stuff by 7 30 for sure and then uh depending on the weather i'll i'll go out and get a cold down or something and go ride him around in the afternoon clear my head and then it's pretty much like that throughout the winter um Fortunately, we get some sunny, warmer days and usually get a string of them. So you can traditionally I've gotten some more done outside horseback than than this winter. But I try to get one or two road a day during during the winter. And this is when I would do my schools also is during those winter months. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's just perfect segue. I mean, (laughs) it sounds like just amazing, you know, just anytime you know saddlery i think that's the right approach you know you work with a horse a little bit you feel invigorated and then yeah it probably yep. really shows up in the work you do so 
that's a great segue into the into the school because what I really want to focus sure. on is is encouraging people to yeah you know take that course reach out you know don't be intimidated by not knowing. Um, I mean, they sit in a saddle every day. It's typically horse people or, or people with a passion for horses yeah. that end up. So so what type of, tell me a little bit about your school and, and a little bit about who's coming to you. Yeah, so early on, so left the apprenticeship in 04. So I think it was even the next year, uh, people, guys, you know, whatever, get wind of um, doing this saddle deal you know they call and want to come over and get some pointers and I helped a friend of a friend do some saddle work or give him some pointers on what he was doing trying to build a few and so that um, that created a little bit of interest and I noticed it it helped me when you're forced to articulate something Um, there's a lot of people that can do things but they cannot articulate how to do them and so it forced me to try to figure out how to communicate in an effective manner to somebody who was interested. And so that went on like that for several years. And honestly, starting the Colts has been something that has helped because you're, there's, there's a program, so to speak, that I'm trying to you know, teach and train and yet all of these horses are individuals and got their own history when they come to you. And so there was a lot of parallels between uh, teaching people and teaching horses. And so the the people now that come to me, yeah, you can maybe break them into a, a maybe three different camps. Uh, somebody that's just strictly a hobbyist, somebody that is, doing this on the weekend is interested in it they've had horses and have seen something and it's tripped their their trigger and they want to know more about it and then you've got somebody that is thinking they want to make this a trade and they've got some experience a little more maybe and then you've got uh, maybe the third category the third person that they've got a ranch or they've got a uh, another job that is tied into this western culture a lot of times and they want to do something during the winter and so they're looking at this to be a oh something that would supplement more of a supplemental kind of income so you've got really i would say those are the three predominant streams that people come to me with that type of background nice and you expect them to have some basics like they've you know maybe played around on their own or or you know at least stitched two pieces of leather together you know right so early on that was kind of the the thought and is certainly much more helpful i think they get more out of it if they've struggled a little bit and played around built you know a few pair of shafts or gun belt or head stall or something you know they've gotten their hands on an edger and round knife and they've played around with it and they've got some 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 background and i think it's helpful i've had people show up that have 
they've never picked up an edge or they've never held a round knife that have had zero experience. This is something that just the, the thought of it has been something that has gotten them excited. And so I've had that end totally green to people that have built 40 saddles and they, they want to work on some more refined part of it and see my system and and so I've had both ends, I think, of the continuum there. But by and large, it's mostly people that have um, had way less experience than than the situation with somebody that's built forty saddles. So yeah, they great, but not not necessary. Okay, I'm pleased to hear. Uh... You know, that somebody, that was kind of my category. I'd uh, apprenticed with someone, then uh-huh. um, I moved out on my own, and I really realized, like, ah, oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> then, right. You know, you, you, you do, you struggle along, but um, I, I did, I like these two-week type courses where you can go and say, hey, you know what, um, I'm pretty confident in the basics, like, I need you know, show me a new technique or show me a, uh, from a business side of it, how to reduce waste or make this more streamlined or how can I increase right. my output? And that's kind of cool that people can come to you and kind of custom design what they need from you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That has been, been, been great. I've had most of it is engineered around the two weeks, two saddles so guys, folks come and they build a slick fork and a swell fork in the two weeks. They're, they're long days and it's like drinking out of a fire hose. But uh, then I've had other people say, hey, I want to work on uh, some flower stamping. Let's build one saddle in two weeks. And so we we do that. And the process is a little different for that. And so they're wanting to uh, try to do that and some some other people may have a different approach that they want to bring. And I just try to be flexible, try to help people where they're at. And, and that's been great. And the, but the main, the main uh, course is really designed around building two saddles in two weeks. Great. So. And do you feel like in the, in the industry, do, you know, are you encouraging young people to take this up as, as a living that's, that it's not just a, you better have some kind of supplemental income or have married well, mm-hmm. or, you know, do you, do you, <laughs> right, say, <yeah>. you know, <laughs> yeah, I do know. Yeah. And that's something that I Christian really have wrestled with from, from time to time. So for me, it's been the love of the game for sure. I'm just all in on the, the West as it has uh, traditionally been understood, you know, self-reliance, individualism, being independent. And so I'm all in on, on that. And so when I'm trying to communicate, I guess, the values of that and the heartbeat behind that, it, it you, sometimes you can just tell somebody is that that's just not where they're at. And, and that's fine. That's great. It's, it's, there's a lot of skeletons on this trail, people that have tried and flamed out or lost the, the desire for it. And 
So just trying to be honest with people when they've asked me, and everybody does, of course, that's come through the schools, like, how, how do I turn this into a a way that I can keep the wolf away from the door? And so we have tons of those conversations, and each one is so individual because everybody's story and their background is so individualized, of course. But by and large, I'm optimistic. I feel good about it. I I like the trade. I like the the independence of it. I love the the uniqueness that it brings. And so my saddles have got my looks to them, and that's completely and totally unique. And if people like me and they like what I'm doing, it's they're going to really enjoy that. And they, somebody might like somebody else's stuff and that's that's wonderful so there's that part of it that is it's a real plus and it's hard to put that in a spreadsheet really um and so there's some trade-offs i think it's not a high paying deal i think there's ways that you can streamline it by your purchasing and and uh, once you've got a name and some reputation, then of course that helps. But those can be some pretty dry years uh, getting to that point. But if they are in, in the sense that they they like the West, they like the horse deal, they they like saddles, they like working with their hands, and they that's who they are. Then by all means, then the water's warm. Yeah, the I, demand, I, the desire for quality, I, th- I think, is good. I think people have got capability and are willing to, to purchase something that has got a high degree of quality behind it, and they like the look, and it's something that brings them pleasure. So I, I'm optimistic. Yeah. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I, I kind of feel, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff being made um, that's imported into the U.S. That's it's mass produced, and it, you can tell it's budget orientated. And I always look at that. I yeah. tell people like, "Hey, you know what? I I don't. That's not my competition. And you know, if if you're trying to get your kid into to riding, I'll tell be the first to tell you, don't spend a ton of money. You know, work up to it and you know, it kind of gives you that appreciation when you do run into someone who knows what they're doing and is building quality. Um, so I kind of, I kind of feel like, yeah, the future is a little brighter than what some, you know, you run into some Southers that are, are jaded because they feel like, oh, so-and-so yeah. down, down the road selling cheaper. And it's like, well, I think that's a you problem, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's, of course, there's in every business there's the downside, and it, you can you can focus on that for sure. That would be a choice to to focus on that. And um, I'm not. I I'm really happy and feel blessed to be able to live the way I do, and I've done it my entire life, and it's just been been outstanding there's certainly been some lean times but there's a lot of people that have had lean times you know it's not yeah it's it's not unique it's not that. Yeah. <laughs> so back yeah. to the, the school like if i'm uh if i'm uh 
you know, thinking, like you say, it's, it is drinking out of a fire hose, but how much attention yep. do you spend to tree selection for people? And mm-hmm. it, it's always seems to, to me, it's the single most critical component of a saddle is the tree. You can make beautiful saddles on the wrong tree. You will have a terrible yep. reputation. <laughs> Yeah, so we, like if somebody's coming to one of the schools, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So what I'll do is these things usually take a relationship of their own before somebody comes. You're engaged with them, email, and then you then a phone call or two, and, and making sure everything's ironed out before they get here. And so you you have an idea of how or what level of education they're bringing to it. And so I'll ask them some questions. And if, if it matters, size, the seat, the horn, these types of things. And for some people, I've got some guys coming in a couple of weeks and, and we just did pretty much a uh, custom order on the tree. Like I would do for somebody coming in the shop that wanted a saddle, wanted me to build them a saddle. And so that was, much more involved. Uh, the height of the horn, the width of the horn, the gullet, the bars, all of it. You know, we went through in a fair amount of detail, really. And then you have some folks that they don't, they don't know, and they don't care. And so I just, at that point, will order something that is going to work for a majority of the animals out there. Just some pretty middle of the road dimensions and yeah. and things that aren't going to be horribly complicated to build so yeah so that you, you've got both um if if they've got the information education desire maybe they've ordered some custom saddles before or they've, they've got some handmade saddles they want something similar or different or their buddy is going to end up with the saddle he's got some uh, some things on it that he wants, then we go off of that. But if they don't come with any of those preconceived uh, interests, then I just get something that is going to work across the board. And I would imagine so that's uh, how I would approach the tree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm always fascinated by trees, and I've always tried to educate clients yeah. in the past. Like, you need, you know, everyone's running around calling themselves a saddle fitter, and I'm like, you know they <laughs> it's tree fitting is yeah. what you're doing <laughs> and right. uh, most people have never seen yeah, a tree a, it's a slippery slope the the fit i just did a clinic um a week or two ago so it was a blended deal i did a saddle fitting tree fit whatever however you want to call it, a saddle discussion anyway and then i did the helped them with their horses we so it was equine and saddle discussion and the the thing that rarely gets mentioned is how much a back can change over really a short period of time and so you have somebody that's promoting themselves as a fat saddle sitter and they've got the gimmicks and and things and that's just that's something that is never discussed and i've had and I have had I don't know how many horses and trained hundreds and hundreds of them, and 
have seen it from the practical side of nutrition and riding and the weather even their body just is going to change just like ours does you know mm-hmm. if you <laughs> you yeah. sit in this chair for five days in a row your body's going to change so anyway yeah, yeah. It, it shifts and I assume that someone maybe listening would think, you know, wouldn't that be cool to build your own saddle? Like there might be a horse, pe- a horse person out there to say, you know what, I've uh, struggled to find a good fit or whatever. They could, they could actually come to you with a horse in mind, dimensions, do the research ahead of time, order the tree and come down and make their own saddle. Yep, and that's been done, and we I talk them through it, so they'll they'll come and bounce those ideas off of me. This is what I think I need. This is what I've read, and a friend of mine or a friend of a friend or you know, something, and so they'll have some idea. And so I just you listen. It's beneficial to listen, hear people out, and and then have a discussion about it, and always trying to. Um, point them in an accurate direction, you know. Wonderful. So before we wrap things up, I just want to uh, make sure everyone knows we'll put links to your website and to your school um, um, in the links and, and everyone will be able to find you easily with uh, some some pictures of your, your beautiful work. Um, is there anything... Um, you want to add before we we tie things up i always like to give people a chance to maybe discuss a topic or or put out here on this platform something that's that's a concern or or important to them yeah i don't i don't think so christian i just am just a real fan of the, the west and the lifestyle of it and how the saddle really is a really unique a unique tool that it shows some of the rider and the owner's personality and also is beneficial to the animal and so it has the unique opportunity to be a benefit to both and so that's something that is unique about saddles as a tool and then uh, just appreciate this conversation always enjoy talking to people about saddles and horses so thank you wonderful i appreciate your time i I feel like i could circle back to a couple of different things and just talk and talk but i i know um i know we got to keep things uh, in a a reasonable time frame but uh right i really really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and um you know that's i i really hope that through this you know people start to think like yeah i can you know, it's an easy, easily obtainable skill. I can go and do a two-week course, come out with something tangible that I made with my yeah. own two hands. And even if you didn't go and on to do it, you still have this amazing journey that you you did. So thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, you bet. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Hi, I'm Paul Van Dyke. I live in Sheridan, Wyoming, and I have a two-pronged business approach here. I have a a saddle shop where I build custom saddles and train people, teach people the skills of saddle trade. And then we also train and sell horses here at the place. And 
I also, while I'm doing that, enjoy listening to Sadler's Post with Christian Lowe. This has been the Saddler's Post with Christian Lowe. Thank you for listening. The Saddler's Post is sponsored by Christian Lowe Leather Care. Visit christianlowe.ca.